It's interesting, John. Your hat is just do it, which is the SE slogan. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, shirt too. Oh, this side. Hmm. Shirt too. Yeah, <clears throat> just do it. Wow. <laughs> the SE motto. It fits so well. What yeah. is everybody's relationship with caffeine? I'm I'm a little curious there. I mean, yeah, first mm. thing in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. He likes it black. Caffeine, nicotine lozenges. I mean, give me the, I need in the morning, I'm just loading up with. All the neurotransmitter. Stimulants, yeah. First thing. Does coffee it's affect not, you? Like, do you, do you get like that intense or not too much anymore? Not too much anymore. I stopped drinking coffee for um, a few months last year. And it was fine. I was drinking tea. I probably had a little less, a uh, little less nervous energy, but it's not, you know, I'll drink like uh, four cups a day, maybe four, maybe five. I think this is number five right now, but that's just because we're keeping this party going. This party. <laughs> I'm on monster number two. I usually drink, I would say two to three a day, which is not something I recommend for people, but I do like a steady stream of caffeine. I don't even know that it's because I can feel the cat. Like I'm always pretty energized. I get a lot of like push to me, but I love the taste of white monster. And so that, that's so like sensory, I know, but like just to have one in my hand, at least I have something for my hand to do. And then when I taste it throughout the day, I'm like, oh, that's really good. Like, Is that a sugar bomb though? No, actually. So I drink the white one, which is sugar free. Oh, okay. Calorie free. Yeah, I start my day off every morning with at, like, and I'm kind of a coffee snob. You know, don't just give me some folders in a Mr. Coffee Pot. You know, like I have a an espresso machine that I love, like, you know, either making a single or a double Americano or, you know, whatever. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I love the really rich, thick coffee bitter, not bitter, but like strong coffee. I don't want weak, you know, my mom used to pour a little bit of water in her coffee and you could just see through it. And I'm like, why are you ruining coffee? Yeah, wow. How, how do you guys feel about instant coffee? <laughs> I like um, my coffee double-double. <laughs> I'll drink trash, it doesn't matter. Just give me the caffeine. It's just a delivery <laughs> system for the caffeine. <laughs> yeah, my Etsy is a snob about it, sorry. No, I don't like instant coffee at all. <laughs> Drink, I'm drinking crystals just straight from the jar. <laughs> <laughs> Eating coffee beans. Instant instant crystals just. <laughs> Eating the coffee grind. <laughs> you know, they make an inhalable. This is so off topic. Anyway, they make an inhalable caffeine. So like people that do the vape thing can actually vape caffeine in. It's weird. There's caffeine vape? Yeah. See, that's not, I like um, caffeine pills were a thing when I was like in high school and they just put me on edge, like that straight caffeine. These that nicotine lozenges are the thing though. These nicotine lozenges are killing me. Like I can't, I can't stop with these. Just one of these in the morning and then I'm just off to the races all day. And I were had a friend. Were you a smoker previously? 
I was years ago and then I switched to the patch and then I switched to the lozenges and then I switched to the lozenges and the patch at, at inferior SE kind of stuff. Um, <laughs> but I have an INFP friend. He's like, let me get one of those a couple of weeks ago. And we were going to watch a movie. So I, I handed over one of these lozenges and he was out like a light for two hours. And I just sat there watching that movie. He was out and I'm sitting here like, I got three of these in my mouth right now to patch on. <laughs> it's really I can feel everything so intensely. So like I've tried uh, Nicorette gum, like a friend of mine, when we were working, we were doing a detail and I actually, it was a pretty high name detail. One of my most expensive ones. And like, I was a little on edge that time and I don't normally get on edge. And so he was like, oh dude, here, have a piece of Nicorette gum. And I was like, well, what's it going to do? You know, like what? And he's like, it'll just bring you down a little bit. You might get a little buzz off of it. Dude, I was like flying. <laughs> I was like, oh, whoa. Yeah. But I feel everything. So. Yeah. I mean, I have a, I've, I've always had like actually a really, 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 really high tolerance for like stimulants. <laughs> so it's taken me some dangerous places in the past, but now it's just this, this stuff. Sheila, what's your experience there with like any mind altering substances? Um, <laughs> you know, being an SE dom, I've had my fun. Um, <laughs> not a dom, but a uh, user, SE user. Um, not nothing too crazy. No, I was pretty like, my and I was always like, oh, this could be a consequence. So, like, I wasn't just so crazy. Like, some of my friends who I I think were a little more full on SE, where they just didn't even think about any of the consequences. So, but no, um, it doesn't take me much. Like, you, you say that you're really sensitive. Like, after a cocktail, I'm like, oh, I'm feeling it. You know, the, the face is getting hot. You know, the just real quick i don't doesn't take much for me to feel it quickly and everything anything yeah so like for me uh with like mind altering substances i could have went down that route so there's a, a, a certain amount of screw it that I, like like and i is like i care about the ni plan until my mind is like screw it um and then go to the sc but then you're stuck in the sc when you go there um i was so close to to like breaking and like to to being like like experimental because um like when you go like and nothing has like ni meaning anyway and then you're 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 kind of stuck in this space where you're like you know I might as well just try out everything but then I didn't go down that route so I, I'm very safe with um the sensory things I try and I don't try a lot of sensory things but I could have like it it was a possible route. Interesting. So viewer discretion is advised. I'm going to tell a small story um, that I don't recommend and I'm not, nor am I condoning it, but I went for margaritas with a friend a little while back and uh, I was only planning on having one, which was fine, but I ended up getting roofied. <clears throat> um, I don't know if anybody have, has ever experienced rooflin. No, not the best. Brain completely shuts off. Uh, oddly enough, I am like so se dom that body was still fully there. Brain was just not active. Like I have no memory of it. I lost about six hours. Like I remember my one margarita at the table. I don't remember leaving the table. I don't remember driving us home, which is why I was like, I don't condone this. I'm not, you know, but uh, 
the person that I was with couldn't drive a stick shift and my car is a stick. And so I don't know, I drove us home and the next day I was like, how'd we get here? Like, like when did we get here? And I looked at the road that I took and they have like half of the lanes shut down with construction and I would have had to have weaved in and out. And it's so crazy to me that like physically my body is so present that it can handle those, those complex tasks without my mind even being on. Like I was fully shut off and I still got it. Like, I think I even parked better that way than I normally do sober. It was weird. Well, that's interesting because I've, I've always been the same way when I'm in that state. So I spent most of my teens and twenties on drugs and drunk until I turned 30 and, and cleaned up my act. And uh, I felt actually the same, the same way. And again, this is not, this is not condoning this for any <laughs> anyone who has our function. This is not, I, I could go deeper into that story and it's not somewhere that you wanna be, but that's really interesting that you say that because it's actually like, it's, it's um, I, I, like, it was such a good feeling getting into SE like that. And I have no like control over it that once you get a taste of that, I feel for me, you're in there all the time. I was like, I wanna be in there all the time. And you completely destroy yourself doing that if that's how you go about doing it. But I, I could, I totally relate to that. Awesome. I mean, not awesome. Like it's no, yeah, not, not yeah, far, <laughs> far from, far from awesome. We're, we're lucky to be here in a, in a certain sense, you know? Right. Yeah. And I always follow more on Joyce's thing. My, I just was like, I never went too crazy on anything. I mean, definitely there's times where, you know, I didn't use the best judgment in a couple scenarios, but never driving. I mean, I can honestly say that I have never, ever, ever drank and drove. And I think my dad just put that fear in me at such a young age. Like, and so I just, as I was like, oh, I know if I did it one time, I'd get caught, you know, like that was just like my thoughts process. But um, I just, yeah, but definitely knowing like with the drinking, knowing if I have one more drink, this is going to put me over the edge, but screw it. I'm going to just do it anyhow and deal with the consequences and, you know, puke your guts out later. So I was always, the SE is just, I knew, I just knew it was like, okay, I'm going to do this in the other shot and be like, I'm going to regret it. But in the moment you're just like, I don't care. <laughs> I feel like you're going to have to put up like a big, please drink responsibly like right right there so mm -hmm. that they know that we are in no way condoning drinking and driving at all or don't put this up <laughs> no i mean it's i think put it up i think a lot of people will relate to it i mean i'll add to that that like i have stopped using everything over the last six years like i can't touch anything because it just i i have absolutely no control over it and i think a lot of it was like i mean intj's stereotypically were obsessive about energy management so, mm -hmm. so as soon as I got a taste, I, I took a lot of LSD in high school because it was there. And that was very like, you know, I mean, there's nowhere I want to be except sitting in the basement, staring at the wallpaper up in my head every weekend, you know, but then when I got to college in where I grew up in Rochester, New York, there's a lot of crystal meth and cocaine. And as soon as I got a taste of that, it's like, you can, you can really turn it up into high gear and it's like that feeling of like i have energy you know what i mean that that first time where you're like i actually is this what it is this what it's like to be at the sfp 
You yes. know what I mean? And then, exactly, yeah, right? It's just <laughs> on cocaine all the time. And then completely, like, I mean, drove myself into the ground with that because once you get a taste of that, you just can't, I, I just couldn't stop. I could not stop. Um, so it's it's not, I mean, it really is like, it's it's a terrible place, terrible place I feel to like be. That's also why ESFPs can be kind of offensive to INTJs because energy management's just not a thing. Like we are, it is untapped. It's just like, it, it's just pouring out. And so we not only exude this energy, but it's almost an affront. Like it's almost, you feel attacked by the amount of energy that we're willing to expend on everything. Yeah. It's so interesting. Yeah. And it's interesting. Um, I think Michael is more of a, like an introverted function INTJ. So he leans more on his NI and FI. Whereas John, you lean more on your, your SE and your TE. So like you, you've, you've talked about that a lot. And so that, that even makes the energy management gap even wider because you are the full extrovert energy. Like you're at the very top and Michael is at the, like the bottom of the energy, like wanting to keep it in, you know, and to his best. Not to mention also a five wing four. So yeah. The most reclusive, uh, <laughs> like. Yeah, no, I've spent, I've spent literally like, I, I've spent outside, like way before we quarantined, like I've spent long, long, long periods of time not like leaving my place. Yeah. Yeah. John, do you ever drag introverts out of their quarantine? All the time. <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like it is my duty. <laughs> That's a, uh, and it's a problem for, for the poor introverts that are in my life. Um, I would say that I did so unknowingly for a long time. I'd be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, it's no, we got to go do something. We can't just stop reading. Who reads? Come on, let's let's move. But then, uh, as I started to get further into MBTI and into the Enneagram and understand where people were coming from, and unfortunately understand that people just need their space sometimes to like be alone because that's kind of non-existent for me. It may happen maybe once every couple of months. I'll be like, all right, I just need a day. But it does not happen once a week. It doesn't happen once a month. Like, and so when other people are like, hey man, I just need a few days to myself. I'm like. What did I do wrong? Like, wait a minute, <laughs> like, come with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, now that I understand it, I do it a lot less. I try not to force people out. But when I do see that they're starting to kind of inch their way out, I'm like, okay, let's go. Like, we're moving. <laughs> so I usually, are you usually the last one at a party too? Like, we gotta kick John out or do you like to just go? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> I tended in high school to be the person that hosted all the parties. My parents were always traveling. They were always out doing things. And so like we had the parties and I guess I kind of developed this like, well, I mean, when I'm in a healthy space, eight goes to two. So I become the caretaker and like the lover and giver. Um, so I kind of developed this space to where I was the one that would take care of everybody at the end of the night. So it could be six in the morning and, you know, Sheila's sick over in the corner because she had her extra shot and I'm right there holding her up and I'm like, it's okay. We're going to get through this together. Like I've always been the last one at the party. <laughs> oh, so you like help the people who are <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah. We keep holding back the girl's hair as she's yeah. in the toilet. <laughs> and I'm always hungry too. So I'm always the person that's like, 
you know, 2 a.m. rolls around and everybody's starting to wind down and I start cooking for everybody. I don't know where that comes from. It just happens. But yes, I, I stay too long. I overstay my welcome often. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and, and so my question for you guys, <laughs> is like, do you, do you relate more to being like the gentleman then? Like, cause we mentioned like holding your friend's hair back when they're puking, or do you relate more to being, um, the opposite of gentlemen. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know. Like, that's a weird question. I don't know if that's, yeah, I don't know. Is so that the dichotomy? Told, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told often that I have very feminine energy. I've got like, you know, because everything can either come off as masculine or feminine. Um, very feminine energy when it comes to caretaking, when it comes to people that I like care at all about, not even just a little bit, like, uh, I present as, I guess, what you would consider the gentleman. But if I am in work mode, I can be the biggest asshole you've ever met. Like, just, and not even feel bad about it. <laughs> I, but that's the eight in me, uh, I think. I think. Because, you know, eights tend to be the people that are generally known as the asshole of the Enneagram. Um, but when they're in that healthy, loving space, it goes to two. So the gentleman, the caretaker, the person that, yeah, is soft and gentle. <laughs> I love that. Like, um, I guess for me, I, I can be like the the places where I'm a gentleman is like when I when I know when I notice someone who who might be like sensitive in an area. So um I do like like I know that everyone has like a silent battle that they're fighting or an invisible battle that they're fighting. And so when I have moments to immediately react, sometimes I stop myself because I, I, I know that there might be something that they're not voicing and I should just like leave space for that. And so I, I can be com compassionate in that way. Moments where I'm not as compassionate are um, with like, when things are like forcing me to to be a certain way so like i i like um like um i feel like when when someone has ceased to consider my opinion then i cease to consider their opinion and it's it's a full front war and so um i can be stubborn in that way and that's when i'm more of the op like mean or like not non-cooperative so what's your enneotype i think i'm a six maybe you know, I'm a six, so I doubt the fact that I'm a six because that's stereotypical. Stereotyp <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could be a gentleman um, other than when I'm in competitive mode, when when I'm like, <laughs> so an example was one time our neighbor was the husband and wife are like, oh, we should go play tennis as a doubles, you know? And I'm thinking, yeah, me and my husband all kick their butt, you know? And and then they paired us up, the two girls against the two guys. And anytime you put me in a competitive zone, I'm like giving all I can, like, I don't want to lose at all, you know? And then she's just kind of like, you know, hitting the ball and not really trying. And I was getting so frustrated. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm just like, I kind of yelled at her, like, you're not even trying, we're losing, come on, you know, and she's like crying, and I'm just like, oh, and then the husband's like, oh, you don't have, we're just having fun, you don't have to take it so seriously, and I'm thinking, 
yeah, I do. You know, but I felt, you know, so I ruined the whole game. They go home and I'm just like, oh, Sheila, you were not a gentleman there. <laughs> so four goes to one though, right? <laughs> so that's what we're looking at is like the perfectionist coming out and that, <laughs> that moment. Yeah, I'm very much a perfectionist, but maybe my three wing, my four wing three, my three very competitive nature there, like wanting to be the best at everything I do too. Like, oh, it's just can get a little awkward. Yeah. Michael, do you see yourself going to eight often or jumping over to seven and hitting like a manic zone? I'm not, I don't have the expertise at Enneagram, but define what that would, what that would look like. So would be being the asshole or what? Yeah. Well, just very stern and like, stepping into leadership roles and kind of uh, very outspoken and ready to actually, so the biggest thing eights are good at is confrontation, which I know usually makes a five recluse unless they step into that eight mode. And then they're really good with confrontation. Yeah. But also if the five is like on the other side and starts getting into the stress side, they become manic and like more like a seven, which would be just how do you best describe a set? Exuberant, <laughs> like uh, flighty. Uh, wait, no. Go tell me more about that, though, because I think I, I think I have something to say there, but I'm not sure if it's the same thing that. Yeah. So let's say if you were in a nervous space and you were talking, um, because you're in a nervous space, you almost would tend to talk too much or very, very quickly or like spill your guts and then sit back and be like, "Oh man, I shouldn't have said all of that." Like it just, yeah, it just came out. So losing, that's the seven mode. I call that losing control of the NI because it's like if I'm if I'm in a conversation and I can, I'm I'm talking like when it's when it's the four of us here, like I'm hearing this conversation back at me through all three of you, right? Like I'm hearing like like this is like is how how are things connecting? Um, but if I go too fast, then I don't like or I haven't had a chance to think and I have to be very spontaneous and like improvisatory, then I will just go and go and go and forget like what register I should be talking on. And it would be either inappropriate in some way, not inappropriate, like offensive, but just like not like appropriate to the tone or the vibe of the whatever situation I'm in. So that makes sense. In terms of going to eight, I mean, I feel like if we're gonna say like gentlemen versus versus whatever, like I feel like, I. You, I'm pretty, one is I'm pretty independent generally. So like if there's a situation that I need to extract myself from, I'll extract myself from it. In any situation that I put myself into, you wanna be decent to people. I don't think I necessarily, I put people like, I don't think I put myself in positions or act in a way where people would come away and be and say like, well, Michael's a real, a real jerk, you know? Well, I mean, but when the, you're leading with perspectives, obviously you're gonna be on everybody's good side. <laughs> but at the same time, like if it's a project that like means something to me and, and I'm running that project, then it's like, there's a way that we're going to do this. Like we have a plan and there are contingency plans in place. So like if the planning is done well, then if something goes wrong, it's not a case, it's not a matter of like getting really stubborn and really like, like chewing someone's throat out. It's like, you know what, get out of here. We're going to go to plan B. You know what I mean? So you got to be like, you got to make sure everyone, I think a good strategy is to make sure everyone understands that at the beginning. To say at the beginning, like we're doing this thing. I am calling the shots here. But I, but if I'm, if I come off as a jerk to anybody, I want you to tell me. Okay. And if it gets to a point where, um, 
things are flying off the rails, then we're all going to come together and we're going to talk that we're going to go directly at that thing and we're going to talk it out. I don't want there to be any, what I hate is like passive aggressive stuff or like things that are unspoken. So it's like getting those things on the table, like directly, you can do that in a way that doesn't make you seem like a, a that make you, make you come off as a jerk. Yeah. But there is the fact that I do like, I generally like want people to like me. I don't like people who are like, you know, I don't, I don't like that guy. So there is that thing in the back of my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I've seen you um, have your eight side too, Michael. So you, you, like when Michael did the INTJ personality type video for me and like there were like, most of, the, most of the comments were positive, but there were some like um, a little bit like angstier comments underneath and Michael pressed <laughs> me and he's like, I love the drama. And <laughs> he's like, uh, he's like, cancel me, I dare. Like, like oh, don't get me wrong. I love that. Shit. <laughs> I love that. Shit. I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Like Michael told me he he wanted to create a YouTube account just to get canceled. He's like, just hit me hit me in the comments. It's fine. Like I'm actually I'm actually okay with that. But that's sort of like I feel one step removed from that. Like I don't I don't know you comment person on YouTube who's calling me the Unabomber. Like I don't know who you are. You know what I mean? It's really about people I care about, which is most people that I actually like no like i care about you guys i know you guys like i feel like we bonded here random person on the internet like scream at me on twitter like give it your best shot let's go <laughs> john do you like people's stuff like does that just roll off your back oh yeah <laughs> like that's that's where i thrive i mean so esfp like the performer already you know and then the charmer it is what it is. But then you add the eight to it, and I'm good with confrontation. In fact, I feel like confrontation is almost my comfort zone. And so I'm just all in when it comes to that. I, it doesn't bother me at all. You can call me whatever you want to call me, and I'm just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, that's cool. You got it. You nailed me. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and those, those, those are wounds that, like, IPs and EJs, we don't like that as much, you know, when, when somebody leaves a poor comment in the section, it's just like, oh, you know, like, it's just like, how, you know, like we're just, you know, yeah, it does not roll off our back as easily. So I wish it did. I mean, I just, if that's one thing that I could change about my type would be like, just letting all that just roll off my back. It's gotten easier as I've gotten older but it doesn't come naturally. I think yeah. insult wise, things that would bother me the most would be like, you aren't blank enough. Anytime it's like not enough because I'm so used to be, being called too much for everything. Like I'm just, I am so much, you know, I there's a lot to take in. So if you tell me I'm not enough of something, then I'm kind of hurt by it. I'm like, wait, how do I become too much of it? Like, I don't know. I don't understand. I'm not enough. Like, that's when I get upset. But those comments don't come very often. Yeah. In what areas do you guys feel like you, people have told you you're not enough? <laughs> like, because John mentioned it, so I thought it'd <laughs> be interesting. Um, most of mine have been like physical features. Like people would say something like, you're not large enough or your teeth aren't straight enough. And then it's like, how do I change that? Like, how do I take control of those modes? And that's just something I've had to deal with. But a lot of it is not ever 
personality geared. It's all just physical. Oh. Anybody else? I'm usually telling myself that stuff. Like that's my internal monologue. Like you don't, you don't know enough about this thing or like, who are you to have like an opinion about this when, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're pretending like you know a lot about this thing that you're arguing about, but you're really, you're really just frantically Googling information, you know, all those, all those kinds of things. Yeah, I guess for me too, like that internal monologue, the stuff that I feel like I come up short and then the tribe confirms that, that's what's like more like, oh yeah. But stuff that I feel secure in of my own and then they throw something at me, I'm kind of like, you know, like it, it still bothers me. I wish that everybody would just kind of, you know, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't, then don't say it. That's just kind of my first thought. But if they're going to say something mean and if it's like way out of left field, like, you know, they don't where I felt comfortable in that. I'm like, oh, it, it doesn't hurt as much. But still, it's just like, yeah, I just if you don't have anything nice to say, then shut up. Exactly. Yeah. I guess the area where I don't feel good enough is um, sometimes it has to do with like FE. Um, like I feel like um, I'm not like sometimes like when I was younger, I used to be like, really like fe warm and it like something happened and it changed and i felt like um like um from that point on i felt like i was like skunk spray to to people so it's like it's, it's not like a huge contention area but if i were to think of an area where um i i feel like i wish i were like a pre previous version of myself it would be like the more fe version of myself because i felt like at least um i could, could contribute to the dynamic going around me instead of like dampening it. And, but I guess like um, another area where I don't feel enough is, um, I don't know, I guess that's the only one coming to mind right now. Yeah. Hmm. I feel like the thing about like, um, if, if you don't have something nice to say is like, I don't, the one thing I, and this is sort of at, at a right angle to that, I guess is like, I. I'm always tracking subtext, like what's actually going on here. And like, I don't like things that, negative things that are, stay at that like subtextual level. It's like, we need to make that text <laughs> and we need, to, we need to get beyond that thing. Especially even when I'm disconnected from it, if there's tension between two people and it's like unspoken, but like they're, it's just, you can just feel it in the air. It's like, we gotta find a way to get Past this, like this thing in the air is like it's messing up my frequencies. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there's interference in the air that needs to be uh, addressed. And frankly, like I think, like I don't know if you guys, if you guys relate to this, but like I feel like I'm really good at that, at like knowing how to approach a situation and saying, "Look, there's something going on here, and we need to get past this." So, like, let's go at this. Th go ahead, John. <laughs> that's, that's you stepping into your eight. Welcome. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's what I was talking about earlier. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the subtext is everything. Um, like, in what ways do you think you guys enhance the subtext of the places that you visit? Like, what do you bring to the, to the underlying atmosphere? <laughs> Energy. <laughs> Yeah, I usually bring optimistic energy. 
like when when things start getting a little low or a little heavy or a little you know like i'm just like ah let's let's get this energy back up and um stay in this happy place like i, I like to stay at a more happy level um in general i mean i can go any which way but i like to keep things a little a little yeah just happy like fun and exciting and happy so I don't know if that's just the SE kind of like when things start lulling, I'm like, hey, you know, it sounds fun. Let's go do this thing. And like, you know, just. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> beautiful. I'd love to be in the company of both of your energies. <laughs> um, I, I guess like, like this, this chat is so vulnerable. We're in such a like vulnerable open space right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I guess something I bring to the subtext is um, my desire for depth. I guess like I force it on people sometimes because I, I want to know like some things about people. Because um, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Michael? It's just like like I was saying, like a meta perspective on like what's what's going on. You know, pretty pretty good at, at figuring out like even in our main video where it was like where Sheila and I both did it like Sheila was in a different in different ways like Sheila was like guys I'm not feeling like I'm feeling like kind of off here right and then and I was like the vibe is off here and it's interesting like it wasn't like it wasn't being critical about the situation but it's like it's interesting how you gather these types together and like this this there's this kind of like hesitance or or something like what's that like who feeling feeling out the situation um those kinds of things but i think like if i call it anything like in general i'd say just a better perspective and then you can you can do a commentary on like hey here's what's here's what's i think is going on here and the the problem that i think we run into i think joyce especially as ni doms is that like we expect certain things to be obvious and like constantly like th because there are things that aren't obvious to us like john john is in tune with a lot of stuff that's not immediately <laughs> on my you know uh, that, I, that, I, that my antenna is not up for that thing but in general in terms of like whatever kind of um the sort of structural dynamics of a situation you know um however abstract or concrete that that is that like like we actually have something to offer and sort of like, you know, drawing, drawing those threads together. Yeah, I think it's like, um, yeah, a meta perspective. Um, it's almost like um, everyone has something obvious that comes to them that doesn't come to other people. And it's interesting, like that's what brings diversity. And it, it's cool because it's like, there's, there's a type of intimacy that comes from like acknowledging the diversity that exists in each person, because then you're allowing for their themness to exist instead of like them needing to monitor and only bringing out the parts of themselves that are acceptable to other people. And so like, it's kind of meta, but it, it it's great. I love the chat. Yeah. And to, to expand on that, like when somebody says something that's not nice, just to throw it out there, that's what I don't like. I mean, if somebody has something that's going to benefit the other person, like a, a real critique or a real, you know, um, complaint, then that's something. But just to like launch, you know, just a grenade at somebody just because that's where I'm like, what's the point? What's why? You know, like if if you don't have 
a point to your comment, then it's just, yeah, I always feel like if, if you're going to have some negative thing, it's because you're trying to work at finding a solution or the positive out of it, not just, you know, like, and I think just so many people on the internet, well, not so many, but a fair amount of people on the internet are just like, just launching grenades because they want to watch the explosion, you know. They say, um, Brene Brown says that people launch grenades at each other because it gives them a sense of false intimacy. So when, when people can bond over hating something, it's still bonding and feeling close to someone. So like to, to create an artificial sense of feeling close to people, people hate things. So then they can feel in solidarity with the things that they hate with another person. It makes me think of Monsters, Inc. You know how like they're, they're collecting screams but then they find out that collecting laughs is so much stronger and more powerful. Like you can either get in a group of hate and it's cool. You feel like a group, you feel some solidarity there, but if you get into a group of love, like it is intense, so much better. I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't, I mean, if I, if I hang up about anything though, it's, it's that I feel like a lot of people are avoiding because Sheila, the, the the situation you're describing, like this is not a good time in at least American culture to, <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, like I, and I think it's a, it's a, it's an FI thing is like, I have very firm, as Joyce knows, if she's tracked any of my threads, like political arguments, like I, I have very firm like beliefs, but at the same time, I have space for all, perspectives and not shutting down those conversations. I have friends, plenty of friends who are just the most radical Marxists, like Maoists. I also have friends who are Catholic monarchists, you know what I mean? And like building like, especially with NI, it's like building your perspectives game in that way and realizing like, wait a minute, like you guys are are screaming at each other but you see the world in radically different ways. You literally experience everything. Like your interpretive matrix that everything is coming through is so different that you might as well be speaking different languages. And yes, it's extremely frustrating to watch what's happening right now, even though I'm very firmly on one side of that equation, you know? Yeah, it it does take a growth mindset to be able to listen to other people just to listen, you know, sometimes it, you know, you don't have to change your mind or make them change their mind, but everybody just, I think, wants to be heard and and seen in their place. But it's just so many people just want to shout everybody down and, and label everybody a certain way if they don't think the way they think. And that's, that's what's, you know, you're losing your freedom of speech and your freedom of belief and just that, freedom is just being ripped away when when the other side just can't sit and acknowledge that there is another side and yeah and it's true because like cancel culture what it creates is a like a makes people hide their shame so you create like when you don't allow people to be a certain way like they have to hide their opinion so you either create like a culture of secrecy so they're not ashamed but they're hiding it from you their opinion or you create like a culture of shame like like people don't feel okay with having a certain thought or thing. And a culture of resentment too. Yeah. There's nothing worse than, than resentment. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so there are all these like negative side effects that come from people like dismissing people too quickly, you know? It's like instead of integrating the perspectives, we're all like shooting them down. <laughs> Integration, I think, is the, the best word there. And I think that just comes with a sense of maturity. I think part of our issue is that we put access to social media and the internet in a lot of immature hands way too fast. And they haven't developed, like if, I've already explained it in the last video, but like perspectives was my blind spot, still is. But like it's taken me so long to even try to step into it and develop it that now I'm in a space where I'm like, oh, I kind of get what you're saying. Like I, I may not agree, but I, un I, I understand. And it doesn't like offend me. But if you would have talked to me five years ago, I'd have been like, one, you're wrong. And two, you're an idiot. Like, and I would have been offended by it. And it's just, I was not mature enough to handle the platforms that I can today. And I think that's part of our problem is that we just throw these platforms out there and everybody has access before they've even tried to develop anything within themselves. But that's totally a different conversation for another day. <laughs> That's kind of the, that's no, that's the conversation. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. People just don't want to have that conversation because it is like, you know, yeah, I feel like we, you know, some people are being thrown into the the old silent generation, you know, because we just it's like if you do speak out, you know, you're scared to speak out. I mean, and even to the detriment or to your for your life nowadays, you know, it's like. If you believe something or say something, you can lose your life over it. And I don't think it's it's ever been to that extreme. I mean, throughout the years, you know, there's, you know, it happens, but it just seems to be so, the pendulum, pendulum, pendulum is swinging like so far one, like, it's just, it's, I don't know, the house of cards are gonna come crumbling down with just this civil unrest. Do you actually, think that it's more common right now or is it just broadcast more because i would say that history shows that speaking out against anything has caused death for human existence yeah. but today we are in a space where everybody's got their phone out and they're all recording everything and we just see everything so much closer to, to the chat yeah cancel culture has been like prevalent throughout like human history like you know before okay history lesson before um, you know, there was a really high death rate for people who would give birth and people never knew why that was the case. And so there was this person who proposed that it was because doctors would do a scan of dead people. I mean, like they would do an autopsy of people's bodies um, and then help uh, mothers give birth to their children. And that's why and they wouldn't wash their hands. And that's mm. why the the mothers would die and the kids would die. And so. He proposed this and then he got major backlash. The doctor's like, no, no, that, that can't be the case. They put him into a mental asylum. So this guy who's like, please wash your hands, he was put into a mental asylum. And then later it was that that's when hand washing started to become a thing in in you know clinical practices. And it's like, oh, that was that was the reason why these women were dying um, from the birthing process. And so people tend to and it happened again with, um, you know, the, the solar system guy, the person who proposed that the sun was the, in the middle of the solar system. And then he, he got major backlash. No, it's the earth. It has to be the earth because we rotate around everything. You know, we're, we're the best. And so that guy got canceled. I think he was either like 
I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he was sentenced to death or put into a mental asylum too. It happened to Socrates too. Like Socrates, <laughs> he was a philosopher. What happened is they, they poisoned him and killed him like in front of everyone to prove what happens when you speak up in front of everyone else. And so right now cancel culture is, is, is happening, it, but it's happened like throughout human history. <laughs> it's like a pride thing that humans have. Yeah, and it's, it's always been there like with everything, but like with that, it's like when you're saying a person, a thing, now it's a whole group of people are, you know, getting, you know, canceled, you know. You mean like the crusade? What? You mean like the crusade? <laughs> like there have always been whole groups getting canceled. Yeah, yeah, I guess, I mean, it, it, it's true. Yeah, I guess it's true. Um, we just didn't get to watch it personally. Yeah. You know, it, it was never put in everybody's face. I mean, even when like Nazi Germany was a thing, you know, it wasn't put in your face. We didn't have live streams of our, I'll switch. Wow. I can't sit. Whatever. Concentration camps. <laughs> uh, we didn't have live streams being forced in our media every day. So we didn't see it, but I mean, it's always kind of happened. It's always been there. Yeah, it might just be more in our face right now. Well, I mean, I, yeah, you, you want to, I mean, I mean, is the case that we're all Copernicus now? <laughs> you know what I mean? That would be cool. Um, but there were plenty, yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, you, you go through history and you see like, like um, people uh, executed for, you know, Giordano Bruno was executed for, um, whose name I just had to look up, I, it was slipping my mind. So that's an INTJ thing. It sounded like I knew that, right? <laughs> um, was executed for like, you know, being uh, um, against the Catholic faith and, and believing that in the Copernican system, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we don't wanna go to that place, you know? We're not at that place. Are there things that people should lose their jobs over that they could do? For sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. When it becomes a circular firing squad, that's 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 a, a problem, <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean, we got you had the witches' trials, and I mean, yeah, yeah. stuff going on. Um, but I, I guess you know, in the last fifty years, I feel like things have been fairly civil through in America. I'm gonna put this last comment out there and then I'm not gonna speak on it anymore because I don't, I, I'm afraid we may end up in like a political ground and I don't wanna hit that within this conversation. <laughs> but I feel like it's, it's almost easy to say as a, as a white American to be like, things have been pretty calm for the last 50 years. Like we haven't had any problems, you know, because we haven't had any problems. <laughs> like, but that's but the thing is like a lot of black people too they are gonna say i mean i have a you know a, a, a lot of black friends that are like i've never experienced racism i don't know they're not they don't speak for me it's like you know it's like so it, it could go either way it's like yes i don't um i don't know what it's like to be a black person in a white person's body but I know what it's like to be a girl in a man's world, you know, it's like, so, but do I use that to, you know, keep me back or, you know, 
taint my way of thinking or do I just do what I want to do because I want to do it? So it's like, yeah, you know, we all have our things in life that society doesn't deem, you know, the best. So like, you know, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, something is structurally wrong. Like everyone, everyone feels like something is, something is structurally like something, something has, has gone wrong and where you're going to, where you're going to channel that energy and where you're going to like, how you're going to interpret like what is systemically wrong. I'm probably closer to, to, to John on this. And it's, it's true that um, there are, there are corrections we need to make that like there, there are decisions that need to be made and everyone's everyone is everyone's interpreting the the like how we're i don't even know how to put it everyone's everyone's interpreting what the structure is in a, in a completely different way so in a sense from from a certain point of view sheila you're 100 percent right from a certain point of view john you're you're 100 percent right i feel like there are um uh, I mean, if, I, if I'm just going to put it out there, I feel like th there's a, there's a big problem with like economic inequities, and we're we're making villains out of the wrong people right now. Mm -hmm. I think I think that's the issue. I think there was a point about if I'm just to put it out there, let's get it out on type talks, Joyce. I mean, we all we're all going to go away from this conversation liking one another, so we can get it out. There was a point about six months ago, and what is it, July 2020, when there was a real like possibility of like a broad-based, like class-based politics uh, rising in this country. That's been entirely dashed, and then we went directly into a global pandemic, and now there's a lot of bottled-up energy that's being that's being thrown um, it really hard in one direction that would have been a part of the other thing if it had happened. And I don't see necessarily a good a good end to this unless there's a certain, a different kind of consciousness that rises out of it. Right now, everyone mm -hmm. is just angry. We're pissed off because we're in a pandemic. The, 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 uh, America is not handling it well. Let's just put it, let's just put it that way. And what are you gonna do with that energy? You know what I mean? Like, where's that energy gonna go? I agree with the critique that's coming from the left right now. I just think a lot of people who are throwing a lot of uh, uh, violent energy around haven't spent a lot of time like thinking through that critique and all of the complications and nuances that are are within it. And uh, there's there's a it just gets channeled into rage and it becomes a, a circular firing squad. Because I'm sorry, guys, like everyone watching this, like there's one side of this that's really like going hard and and conquering right now that's going to swing really hard in the other direction in the next few months yeah i i agree um it, it's like a systemic problem that people like everyone notices that there's something systemically wrong it's just that people have different ways of interpreting what that is but we all have that common cause because we we know that there's something there and yeah yeah. And if only we would like bond over that and then try to like know that we were all fighting for the same thing instead of calling it different things and then antagonizing each other, we would get somewhere maybe. <laughs> I mean, I grew the last thing I'll say on this is I grew up in the Rust Belt in like a factory town and I've seen like what happens when a factory town closes down. And right now everybody who's who is was affected by that closure 
has been split in half when that could be the group that could actually make a positive change if they understood that they were in the same boat. But right now, like what happens is you've got a group up here and then everybody else down here and everybody else down here has has something in common with how we've with how what direction we've gone with how we're organized economically and we're splitting it straight down the middle down here whereas everybody up here has is has a strong sense of solidarity mm -hmm. you're going to get crushed by everyone up here yeah i'd be it's curious to see how many of those you're talking about are esfps I'll just have like have the emotion and it's time to go. Here we go. We're working off rage today. That's what it's going to be. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Or FI. There's a lot of, there's a lot of FI in there. Yeah, a lot of FI. Like, <laughs> and, and young FI too, like tantrum FI. You know, like, this is what I believe and I don't care. I'm going to burn down everything until I get my way FI. And I mean, being FI... I know what that feels like. And it is like being able to rein that in and seeing the long-term consequences and seeing the goals that you want and and taking responsibility for yourself and not blaming the other person. That's like, you know, step one. I talked about it in the last video, but like John was very angry and was always working off of anger. And it was just like, oh, John angry, let's go. Like that's that's how it worked. And it took me a long time to develop a sense of like, wait, why am I angry? Like, is this loneliness? Am I just angry because I'm lonely? Am I angry because I'm sad? Am I angry because I'm insecure? And so I would have to step back from every situation where I felt any kind of negative emotion or anger and then start to dissect it. And then I could come back to that conversation and be like, Okay, so I'm a little upset here, but it's not that I'm angry with you. I'm actually just feeling like encroached on or vulnerable, like I'm feeling this. But five years ago, that was not a thing for me. It was burn the city down. It was like, it's yeah. time to move. And so unfortunately, we just, as a society, have not stepped into a maturity to handle situations like this just yet. Yeah, maybe we need to graves level up. <laughs> yes. Like, so the Band-Aid solution, yeah, like with anger it's always like a band-aid it's a, anger is always a secondary emotion to a true emotion that you're feeling like you learn that in in therapy <laughs> so yeah i agree with what you said um i love that you even do the hand thing when you talk about the graves model like maybe it's time to grave oh god uh. <laughs> spiral yes okay i have one like just question that's more like to step away from our conversation and where it was headed. Um, but like, do you find, especially Michael, since it's your, your final function, your bottom one, do you find yourself stepping into SE in any kind of physical way to erase the rest of the world? And I know you mentioned like strobe lights and loud music and things like that, but do you ever like physically, like with your body, put yourself in a space, like whether it's, I don't know, rock climbing, soccer or something like that, is there anything that helps you you disappear into your body? What does it for me is the opposite. It's like, it's meditation. Like I've done long retreats and it's like, I've never felt more present than doing that, but it's, that's a very N-I-S-E thing. In terms of the actual, just, just, just straight up physical activity, not really. I mean, I tend to, I mean, 
nothing, nothing, not going hard at anything. Like I like just, just like taking a walk, honestly, like very, very modest kinds of things. Anything else, there's like a gap between that kind of thing and the absolute extreme. So it's like nothing in the middle there is on the table. It's either like very like low level, very sort of healthy, steady kind of stuff or completely going off the deep end for me. Yeah. What about the rest of you? So a way that's helped me to get in touch with my SE is learning about like, like what is like the positive side of hedonism. So it's like, there's the indulgence side of, and pleasurable side, but sometimes you need to have that pleasure to to be happy. Like you cannot completely cut off hedonism, like or cut off that side of you that has like fun. So there's this concept that um is called like um good hedonism, where it's like you you do good things um like and you you know how it makes you happy, or you, like you you do things because it also takes care of you too. So it, it's kind of like. So this concept's kind of vague, but it's like you, you, because you, you, people are afraid to self care. Like a certain part, like people feel guilty for feeling good. Like they feel guilty for the things that make them feel good for some people. Um, and so, like a, a big thing for me was to be okay with doing things that made me feel good. And it's this concept of like responsible hedonism. Like it's not doing things that'll disparage anyone. Like. Like it, it's all like it won't detriment anyone, but it's like something for yourself, and it's like embracing that se, you know, just letting it feel good and like not not preventing it for yourself, because you you see other things that why you shouldn't. I don't know. <laughs> My life. Because <laughs> we condition ourselves to like not be happy sometimes, and I, I realize that a big part of SE is just like live and let live, like stop, stop minding it, stop making it a mind thing, <laughs> and just, just, just be happy. I don't know. And for uh, me, the, the SE too, like, um, like I'll wake up in the morning and I'm like, ooh, I can't wait for my cup of coffee, and like I'll just hold it and I like the warmth of it and the first taste when it hits my mouth, and I'm like, ooh, there's a nice breeze outside. I'm gonna go sit on the porch and listen to the birds and have the breeze and sip my coffee. It's like I'm just like all like, oh, I can't wait to go do all these like beautiful and you know the sky and the leaves are rustling through the trees and little birds are chirping and my kitty cat's jumping up. Like, it's just like all that SE stuff is just like, oh, I love it. <laughs> it's like my happy, it's like a drug for me. It's just like, and for me, all the sensory is so vivid too. Like when I look at a blue sky, it's like blue and puffy white clouds and just like this little kit. I like the SE is like my happy place. So what I'm hearing on both sides of like, so for Sheila and Michael, I'm hearing not necessarily a physical activity. I'm hearing presence. I'm hearing like just literally becoming present in the moment and enjoying where you're at and what's around you. Whereas Joyce, I think what I'm hearing is, is more of what I experience as well, where it's like some kind of physical activity that brings me pleasure that I step into and, and enjoy physically in doing so but they're both the same thing it's just done differently i love it that makes me so yeah. happy yeah <laughs> i love yeah. to say pump it up so it's this game where like it's um 
you 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 dance it's like air keys on the ground I, I got into it like last year and it's like an exercise that i really like so you have to focus and what i like about it is like you focus on the screen you have to make sure you hit all of the air keys and it's like a it, it puts me in the zone and it makes me it clears my mind so it, it makes me more present in, in that way yeah and I think I like the SE to happen to me instead of me happen to the SE. Like when I go jump into my pool, it's like, yeah, I like swimming, but I like the water just cooling my skin. I like the water rushing through. Like, it's like, I want the SE to move me. I don't, I don't necessarily want to move the SE. Mm. So there's a lack of control there. That's interesting too. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to, punch on it like I I want it to just wash over me like yeah ah, see this is fun this is what I wanted to get into mm, <laughs> I enjoy it <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll get it would be masculine versus feminine SE and what you like interesting yeah <laughs> Joyce one day you should just bite the bullet and we should do like Myers-Briggs and sex <laughs> that's that's for pra Patreon people, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I think people would be interested in just hearing, not like, I'm not talking like the down and dirty, nitty gritty. I'm just saying like the experience of it all. It Let's do fun. down and dirty, nitty gritty. I mean, we already broke the politics. You know? Let's, <laughs> Let's go. Tight talks. I talked after dark. Michael, you're yeah. not a boy. <laughs> Wait, then why don't we answer that now? Because John wants to know. Ooh, I don't know that I'm. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I'm prepared. Yeah, for that you need right one now. more monster energy drink before. Uh... <laughs> I think I need to switch to whiskey or something at that point. <laughs> <sighs> I'm out of questions for now. I'm actually kind of just riding along. So, Michael, do you like? So, you, it sounds like you like the sensory to happen to you more. You think? No, I, well, for one thing, I like to be in control of it. So like if I'm doing, if I'm in charge of some sort of like event or something, like I like to, and I'll use the word assault again. I like, I like to assault people with strobe lights and loud noises. <laughs> if I'm out of control, then it's just like, I, it's, it can be, it can be a lot. Although I enjoy it in the absence of other people. I, that's why I say, I think a lot of it is, a, is an FE thing too, because it's like, I, need to like I want to be on the on the same frequency with everybody but that's very rare and like if I'm enjoying something I can't help but experience it through other people as well and know what like they what what vibe that that know what the collective vibe is and then not vibe with that and then feel out of place and then feel kind of out of body and then just get like just not want to like move so that's why I think a lot of us would like um maybe just introverts, but especially I'd say for my type with like sort of end up in the corner and look like they're not having a good time. And it's like, I'm having a good time. It's just that like, I'm not having a good time with, with like you all, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I like, it's the same thing that I think I mentioned in another video with, with like going to movies because I'll get really wrapped up in something and transported by it. And it's an aesthetic thing. But if I'm with someone who's like, doesn't, what the worst thing you can say coming out of a movie is that was weird and i used to work at a movie theater when i was in high school and when people would come out of like something that was good and be like oh that was weird i swear to god i want i'd like that that's something that'll drive me up the wall so i like <laughs> to go alone that's why i like to go alone it's not an antisocial thing in the like 
conventional sense. It's just that like I need if I, if I'm gonna be put into a space that like is enjoyable, like that, then I don't want to talk about it, and I don't want anybody like killing that killing that vibe. So I think it can sound kind of selfish, and it is kind of selfish in in a, in a sense, but that's kind oh, of just so how much it goes. epiphany right there. Yeah, there's so much epiphany right there because I'm just like when I'm with somebody, especially somebody that would be like an INTJ or somebody that's very like introverted in that sensing area, I, I'm like, so what was your experience? Like, tell me, did you like it? Did you not like it? How'd you feel about it? Like, I am just invasive. Yeah. Would probably be the best word. And I think that that accosts them often. They'd be like, oh man, bro. <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. That's all I'm telling you. I don't want to tell you about my experience. And I'm just like, oh, please, like, let me in. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times I don't like to verbalize the thing. I don't like to interpret the thing. I like to let the thing just be the thing. You know, you kill, I feel like you kill it in a certain way. If like you like try to put words to a lot of, um, a lot of things that are, especially aesthetic things. Mm. Um, yeah. Wow. So you just want to enjoy the moment. You don't want to have to sit and analyze it all and Critique. Well, I guess it yeah. makes sense because you literally analyze every other aspect of your life. You know, so when you get a break to stop analyzing things and just be there, that that makes total sense. Whereas I don't like I don't analyze things until it's time to analyze. I'm always just experiencing. Ah, so weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I never really analyze like what does this mean in my life. Like what's the what's the meaning of this? It's like what are all the possible interpretations of this thing maybe? What are all the possible ways that this thing could play out? What's actually going on? But it's never like a question of of meaning. So I think a lot of times like there's two different things. There's taking a thing and saying like and interpreting the thing to death and talking it to death. And there's also just straight up like just sensory. It's like at a club, it's like, you know, hey, let's go, let's dance and everything. And it's like, I just, I honestly don't feel like doing it. And it's not a thing like I, I'm afraid of looking foolish or whatever. It's like, I don't, I don't feel like doing it. And then you feel like you're, you're like completely out of place in a certain, uh, uh, that's why you don't find us there. Did you I find mean, yourself I'll jump around? Like I bounce off the walls here, like a, like a maniac, you know, having, having fun or with someone I'm really close to, <laughs> you know? Um, but like in, a, in, in an anonymous group, nothing's worse than watching one of those festival concerts. God help us all. <laughs> the music's good. The music's good, but God help us. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find yourself blending a lot as you were getting older? Like just forcing yourself into these situations and trying to be comfortable with them even though you didn't feel right there? Yeah, not as much as I should just because I got a later start at it. Hmm. I got a later start at it, so not as much as I, I probably should have. Um, if blending, if by blending you mean like chameleon, definitely socially, mm -hmm. like I, I'm, I'm good at that, but not if it's like a physical, like primarily physical thing. Then it really becomes like, what do I feel like doing right now? And it's not what everyone else feels like doing. So like, I don't feel comfortable here, you know? Joyce. Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. that's true. What were we talking about again? <laughs> I blanked out. 
<laughs> I do that too. I totally tune out. I'll be on a I'll be on a meeting at work and just be like, and I'll be running the meeting and be like, okay, sorry guys, I gotta call myself out here. I completely tuned out the last like two minutes of what we were talking about. I can just go through that one more time. <laughs> we're talking about Essie. Essie, yeah. Um, Essie and movies. Um, for for <laughs> me, like. <laughs> I like it when, like, for me, I like it when extroverts are invasive because I, I need that. Like, I need them to probe because sometimes I'll share nothing. And they're, they're my last hope at communicating to the world or else I'll say nothing for the rest of my life. So, like, I, I appreciate it. But sometimes it, it is, like, too in my face. Like, my best friend, like, one day I was um, trying to hide from the world and she, like, I put my face down. Um, and what she did, she went under the table and her face was like two centimeters away from my face. And it's like, hi, Joyce. <laughs> and I'm, like, I'm like, oh my, too extroverted for me. <laughs> so like there's, I think it's endearing when, when extroverts try to include you. Sometimes um, uh, I'm, I'm caught off guard by it, but in a good way, like it, it, it teaches me that I'm, I'm secluding myself too much. So I feel like a snail. So you know, like snails, they hide in their shell. I feel like a snail that's going outside of my shell and the extrovert's like poking the snail and the head comes out and you're like, oh yeah, I should go. <laughs> or maybe it's the other way around. Snails normally go back in when you poke them, but I meant it the other way around. I'm picturing being a snail and just a gigantic human just comes along and just starts like wrapping on my shell. Like, hey, little guy. Hey, nah. buddy. <laughs> yeah. So, John, if we ever meet in real life, you can totally, what's the name for kidnap? You can totally kidnap me as an introvert. I feel like you almost said a cost and I'm not up for a lawsuit, so I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'd be down. That'd be fun. I actually, okay. So you've got me curious. And now I do want to look into, if there's one in November, I'll probably end up coming out. Yeah. Join the PH family. PH John, family. where, where are you? What, where do you live? Like what state? St. Louis. You're in St. Louis. Okay. And yeah. Sheila, you're in Vermont? Minnesota. Minnesota. Sorry. Has, I, I'm terrible with the, I, I have no SI. Um, <laughs> Joyce, you're in Canada, right? Yeah. Just follow the path of maple syrup. You'll find where I live. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I saw that the other day. I'll just, I'll follow it up. <laughs> so Minnesota, we're in Canada. I did not Canada picture that. Huge. We're in Canada. Like, oh, East Ontario. I live very close to Jordan Peterson, if you know who he is. Oh, God. <laughs> where did that come from? Let's get, let's get going. <laughs> That's another. That's another video to do. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you guys are fun. <laughs> is this even gonna get posted? Like, what is this? What are we gonna? Yeah, we got. You got to post it. This is a good. This is a good talk. No, don't post it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it was. I don't know where fun. I look stupid. <laughs> I can. I can like censor. Oh, Joyce, you gotta go. This is too good. It's too yeah. good. Yeah, I'll, I'll post. I'll post it. <laughs> you guys are fun. I like this. this Michael, I already sent you a friend request on Facebook. I sent it right <laughs> like that. You guys are it's like, hey, come out to St. Louis. Let's go. Let's party. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, what'd you say? I said John has an INTJ crush. 
<laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, like, so I do like all the shows and stuff out here. Like, I get to I get to be a part of all the ones at like Rise Nightclub or whatever. Um, so if you're ever looking for some like strobe lights and EDM music and somewhere to go, I can I got you. Sounds great, man. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine. Yeah, and INTJs do secretly want to be ESFPs, so we just want to just do headstands and uh, <laughs> swap our. Function. I feel like it's it's a mix. Like ESFPs want to be INTJs too. They're just like, oh man. Yeah. I don't know. There's a definitely a weird thing there. It's interesting because then you look at like. Um, you'd look at like ENFPs and ISTJs, you know, and I can't like, maybe in some, maybe I'd like to hear their answer. I can't wait, Joyce, for you to do that video. Sure. I'll ask them. Do you want to be each other? <laughs> I also think it depends on how growth oriented you are. Like, yeah. I feel like in a space where I wasn't growth oriented, an INTJ would be the most boring, like, please just go do something type of person to me. But then as I'm like, wait, I want to start developing intellect. I want to start developing like perspective. Then I'm like, INTJs, wait, what? <laughs> so it depends on how growth oriented you are. If you want to be around somebody that has the opposite cognitive pieces. Yeah. That's and that's true. interesting because it depends how you define like do something too. It depends, you know? Right. Because when we, I mean, I feel like to, to put in a word for my type, I do feel like when we do like say, we're going to do this thing, that's pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> well, at least, you know, follow through on it. ISFPs get a lot done too. I have, I have ISFP friends and I'm like, how do you, how do you juggle all of this like stuff that you're doing? Yeah. I have ISFP friends who have a three in their, in their Enneagram and they get so much done. Yeah. Yeah, people are always commenting on, oh my gosh, you, how did you do all that? Like, but I think I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, like, um, I can procrastinate, but then when I finally, like, I'm ready to do it, I'm like the Tasmanian devil just whipping through, getting all the stuff done, and then I'm like done, and then I'm, you know, chill for a day and then I'm Tasman. It's like, I don't have a nice, I'm all or nothing. I feel like in every of my life, um, which I just wish I was more balanced. And like, I have, you know, friends that are, you know, like, I think she's an ISTJ, my best friend. And she's just, every night she has her list of the next thing she's going to do in the morning. And she just tick, 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 you know, systematically ticks everything off. And I'm just like, I just look around my surroundings. I'm like, oh, this needs to get done and I'll just whip through it and then, you know, be done. So I just wish I was more consistent with the, with the thing, <laughs> mm -hmm. but I'm fast. <laughs> yeah. I try I'm to pace myself. I mean, I, and I get, I get, like deep into the SE with, with things too that like, I mean, I'm doing this video now that I was talking about earlier and it's turned into this like huge production. I, I wish I could show you this freaking thing that I've got set up around me now. 
got the mic set up, the lights, the camera, the processing chain, the MIDI controller here. I'm like, oh, I got to do music for this thing and like all this stuff, <laughs> turning it into a huge, so we can go overboard with the stuff too. Like there's a, there's a certain, there's a certain balance that sometimes like we get, we get a little too much credit for being able to strike that balance sometimes because I got to finish this thing. Now I'm just in this massive stuff around here. <laughs> Will you show us one day your video project? Yeah, I'm gonna put it up on here on YouTube. Oh, I'm happy. I'll link it one day. <laughs> you have to put like get all your ducks in a row before you'll do the thing versus just jump in. There's a point where I'm that. like, it's time to it's time to jump in. Like I I'd like to like write the thing first and then do step by step with everything. But this was just like if I don't just throw like too much stuff together here, I'm not gonna get this thing done. And I just needed like a project to do. It's only probably gonna end up being like 15 minutes or whatever, but um, I had to, like, there's a point where I have, to, especially when there's a lot of like moving parts involved that like, I have to just dive in because if I think about like how much stuff that like needs to, like how many different moving parts there are, I'll just get lost in every single one. Cause oh, I wanna wow. get perfect in doing this and that and that, you know, where it's like, okay, now everything's here. I don't have an excuse. That was what I was going to ask you is, do you ever get stuck in the thought process of outcome? So like, it's time to make a decision and you make all 50 decisions in your head and the outcomes of all those 50 decisions and like break it all down into the spider web that is like what could happen. And by the time you finally kind of broke it all down and thought it all through, you can no longer make it. It's already passed. You don't get to make the decision anymore. That's interesting because not so much because all of that happens in the background while like the other things are going on you know what i mean so if there's if there's that point it's just it's hard to describe it's like when i finish something like this this thing that i'm working on i'll be able to sit down and explain it as though every single thing had been planned like every part will be in place but it's like that's like this the the thing is sorting itself out in the background and meanwhile it's like you're scattershot trying to get things together you know so it's like it's not always a linear process even though in the end i could say here step one step two step three step four step five interesting <laughs> i'll leap before i look like 70 percent of the time <laughs> I just like plug my nose and jump and I'm like, ah, it should all work out. But, um, but I'm not too crazy. Like I, my husband's more crazy with just, um, and I'm kind of like, I pump the brakes a little bit more and he's just like pedal to the metal. I think that's where intuition comes into play. And since I really don't have any, I've always thought that I've had good at intuition until I started researching you know, Myers-Briggs and personality types. Um, but what it turns out to be is that that intuition is not actually intuition. It's, it's extroverted sensing. It's looking at all of the things that are going around. It's, it's looking at facial expressions. It's looking at, you know, like the little micro cues that are around me and calling it intuition, but it's actually making a choice based on what I sense. And so that's interesting where that intuition goes into a different position, how you guys use it, because I don't have it. <laughs> like yeah <clears throat> i feel like i'm actually honestly like a lot better at reading people than i think i am but always anxious that i'm misreading people 
So I never, so, so like, I never, I'm never confident in the cues, even though if I'm, if I'm being honest and I'd like remind myself, like I am actually better at doing that than, than uh, I think I am. Body Chris, I feel like you're just taking it all in. You're not, you're not speaking a whole lot. You're just kind of like. Yeah, it's the story of my life. Um, so for me, I, I spent a lot of time observing and like um, trying to come up with my thoughts on it. And I end up not doing I'm not, not saying my thoughts out loud. So what, what helps is like when, when you guys are talking and then forcing me to talk, cause I realized like, <laughs> you know, th these weren't initially meant to be interviews. Like this whole type talk series, it was meant to me like interactions with the types, but because I'm so quiet, they ended up turning into like interviews by the sheer sake that the other person does more talking than I do. <laughs> but um, I guess where I land on all of this is that I, so, so we're talking about SE, right? Or we're talking about, what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Picking so, up on cues and, and what's around you versus like being intuitive about it. Yeah. Um, so, so this is where like, I, I, I notice like a, uh, what other people pick up on, but I may not pick up like the physical environment immediately. But what I'm doing is I I, I am. But um, what I'm po focusing on is what I get out of it. So for instance, um, the other day I was thinking about my mom, who's an SE dom. She's an ESFP, and something I thought really demonstrated her SE was um, she commented on the way that people pet animals. So she's like, why do people pet? Like, why does your uncle pet the cat like it's a dog? And I was like, that's such an SE comment to make because you're noticing how people pet dogs and you're noticing how they're using that for the cat. And I'm like, so it's like things like that. Like what I get out of things are, are like the insight out of it. Sometimes I, there's inaction with, with me because uh, what will happen is I'll, I'll notice and I won't like, and I'll think and I'll get the nugget out of it, but there can be like, this delay to action because then I'll be onto this other insight that connects to that main insight and I'll be fleshing it out instead of acting. I dig that. Well <laughs> said. Okay. Okay, so, I guess it's time. I can do this for, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I can do this for so long and then I start to get exhausted because that's where <laughs> there's a lot of thought here. Oh, I'm sorry. Are you are you drained, John? I'm feeling just fine right now. Are you drained? Oh, How does that I feel? Mean, no. I could go. I go all night, John. <laughs> yeah, you know, it would be interesting if we were to like have um, a sensor in a chat for twelve hours of intuition talk. See how how long it would take him to get exhausted of the an hour and a half type talks marathon going live. <laughs> wear wear down a sensor. <laughs> I don't know. I'd give it my best shot. Miss competitive would be like, not gonna lose. Get all sixteen types together and just see how long we can go. Who's the yeah. last? Who's the last yeah. one standing? You. It would be you, <laughs> Michael. Would say. Sitting here taking the whole like pack of nicotine lozenges and yeah. just <laughs> no coffee breaks though for you, sir. Cause I'm the yeah, first yeah. one to admit and be like, all right guys. So like, I'm starting to, starting to drain out a little bit here. <laughs> John, are you fading? 
Sorry. <laughs> no, that's good. Well, yeah, so, was, I've enjoyed this. Yeah. yeah, I liked talking. Like this was really nice. This has been fun. <laughs> yeah. If and the last thing I'll say is like, I think like conversations that are just like, let's just get together and go. I mean, they can go, I've seen some things on, on YouTube that are, that are really long that are like that, but this is really fascinating when there's like, you know, our functions are all scattered and we're just like, just going. Yeah. 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 So I'm thinking maybe there'll be like a casual chat series like this, where we just like chat about random stuff together. Um, but yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. You guys, you know, fill up my bar. Like even just your company is enriching. So like, thanks for being good company. Even that enough is is good enough. <laughs> thanks, yeah. guys. Yeah. It was fun. Awesome. Thanks, I'm sure guys. I'll talk to you guys again. All right. Sure. Bye. 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 All right. Good night, guys.